welcome back to the Advent Calendar House, and if you're a weird parent who lets your children listen to your podcast feed with you, you may want to get the kids out of the pool for this one as we dive into a very festive episode of the Adult Swim cartoon C-Lab 2021. This is a salute to all holiday specials, but mostly the Christmas ones, and today we're kindly rewinding to 2002 to wage war on the Feast of Alvis. I am Baby with a Gun Cooking Over a Floodlight, Mike Westfall, and joining me for this treacherous leap into the abyss is a miraculous miracle incarnate. Please welcome Zach Shipley. Hello, Zach. I've crapped the buffet, and I'm happy to be here. <laughs> so glad, because uh, this was your request. and I, Yeah. <laughs> I've only watched this once before this year, I think. Is this an annual watch for you? This this is I I'm almost ashamed to admit it, but it's like for some reason like like this is my this is my go to like I'm having oh. trouble remembering even like other episodes of C Lab, but this one I can pull from like in a moment's notice. I like uh, like I'll just say praise Alvis for like no reason, <laughs> like just in daily conversation. And whoever gets it in the vicinity is your new best friend. No one. <laughs> oh dear. So far, someday. Uh, someday. Well, even, even my even my patient wife, who I think has watched this several times with me, still like just kind of like just like it just flies over her head. <laughs> oh, I am completely certain my wife has no idea what this is at all. <laughs> she happened to have not asked me what we're recording tonight, and when I tell yeah. her, it'll be just like, huh, what? So, or maybe 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 she's a big fan. I don't know. We'll find out. Yeah. But I feel like I didn't appreciate C-Lab as much as the other shows on what was then brand new Adult Swim. Mm -hmm. It was just a block of Cartoon Network back then, kids. Once upon a time, it was Cartoon Network's Nick and Knight. But my favorite was Aqua Teen Hunger Force. Oh, yeah. And that, 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 that's it's similar come from a similar cloth of like the like recycled animation, very basic flash. And oh. uh, I think... Aqua Teen Hunger Force had probably a little higher production value, it, but I mean, that's by inches. Right. C-Lab was kind of like in between Aqua Teens and Space Ghost in the recycled versus original. Yeah, quick, quick, quick background. C-Lab 2021 is a parody of Hanna-Barbera's 1972 cartoon C-Lab 2020. This is the year 2020. The place is the Challenger Seamount. The top of an underwater mountain. A complex beneath the sea. An environmentally themed show that lasted all of three months and 13 episodes. Then in 2001, Adult Swim came along and gave it the Space Ghost coast-to-coast -coast treatment. Where it mm -hmm. took those existing characters, <clears throat> rebooted them completely, and just made them all silly and let them cut sometimes. Yeah, as, as much as uh, cable TV would allow. I mean, certainly it, it went a lot further than the average, uh, you know, Johnny Bravo or, or Powerpuff Girl as, as it was, was popular on Cartoon Network as the t at the time. Uh, but uh, now it's, it's, I mean, it's, aside from this, the rampant racism, it's, it's pretty tame. So Space Ghost Coast to Coast began all the way back in 1994. Mm -hmm. and became an instant favorite of mine and a whole bunch of other people. That led to a spinoff called Cartoon Planet, which was the first thing I ever remember watching on Cartoon Network. And I loved that. 
Even the Cartoon Planet ran on TBS for a while because oh, uh, the cable system I had in, in the late 90s did not have Cartoon Network. Oh, I don't think we got to like whatever, 99 or something like that. But I remember, I clearly remember like in like 96 or 7 or something like that, that having cool. Cartoon Planet running on, on TBS Okay. In the afternoons, and then it, and that that would they would show Powerpuff Girl shorts along with the normal like old Hanna Barbera and Looney Tunes stuff. Yeah, maybe <clears> that's maybe that's how I got in because like I yeah. also got Cartoon Network and Comedy Central and all of those new cable channels that were popping up in the nineties pretty late in the game. I want to say ninety six, mm-hmm. ninety seven. So maybe that's it. But those all led to other similarly wacky shows like Harvey Birdman, mm-hmm. Attorney at Law. Which had everybody from Hanna Barbera in it, and this one, oh, yeah. which existed in its own universe that I still don't understand. There's like almost no continuity between uh, between C Lab episodes as well. There's C Lab is destroyed and characters are killed with alarming regularity <laughs> in this uh, in this show. So it's it kind of just goes back to zero uh, every single time. Yet this is the one where it remains intact for all we know, which is amazing. Mm -hmm. Uh, A common thread connecting all these wacky parody shows we just mentioned is cartoonist Alex Toth, who created Space Ghost and Birdman and the original C-Lab 2020. Toth died in 2006 while at his drawing table. And I couldn't find any reliable sources regarding what he thought about his old cartoons getting remixed, but I found some message board threads from like 2002 around the time this aired mm-hmm. that are about as old as this Alvis episode claiming he was not happy about Space Ghost Coast to Coast and thought cartoons with dark humor were garbage, but that appeared to be all hearsay. Yeah, it's 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 kind of a mixed bag when you have uh, when you have something be repurposed for later on. Um, I, I could, I could, I could fully respect the fact that he maybe didn't like it. Um, but on the other hand, you know, it, it, what it did, it, no one would know about C live 2021 or no one would know about 2020. If it weren't for 2021, this is a, this is a very, yeah, this this it's really digging up the grave really <laughs> of a is. dead cartoon. I mean, really is. there's no other way to put it. Like, thanks to TBS, they would bring back things like Space Ghost. Uh, that would air on Cartoon Express for years and years and years. And every once in a while, they would throw in things like Birdman. But I had never heard of Z-Lab 20 and 20 until this came along. So, yeah. And for this parody of a show about scientists from the future who live in an underwater city, they've created a parody of Christmas itself. Mm-hmm. That takes a nosedive into creating a stand-in for several religions, which we'll get into later. First, let us begin with the meaning of Alvis Tide, as told by Sea Lab's Captain Hank Murphy, voiced by Harry Gauze, whose credits include playing Tevian Fiddler of the Roof on Broadway. Uh, he was Al Steele, Joan Crawford's last husband in Mommy Dearest. And he was the talking apple in a bunch of Fruit of the Loom commercials. So instead of the usual opening theme song by the band Calamine, Hey Calamine, I only know you because of this, we have Captain Murphy retelling the story of the birth of Alvis. On a frosty winter's night, a wagon appeared at the gates of Fort Klugman, carrying pioneers to the frontier. A young woman in the party called Delia was heavy with child. 
And though she had journeyed with the virile young men for nigh on one year, none had lain with her, though she was comely. And on this frosty winter's night, young Delia's water broke, almost freezing her to the seat of the wagon. And the pioneers beseeched the soldiers to grant them entrance so that she could give birth to her child in the hospital there. But due to an outbreak of syphilis among the soldiers, the hospital was full. And so there in the stable among the feed and tack and the uh, uh, watsis, Delia gave birth to a son whom she called Alvis, as was her wont. And since none of the men in the party were the father, it was decided among them that the birth of this child must truly be a miracle. And it was so, for above the fort there suddenly and miraculously appeared an awesome and mighty comet, and so brilliant was its light that there came from all the tribes which the soldiers had not yet decimated, shamans. And they rode upon buffalo, as was their heathen custom, bearing gifts, offerings of whiskey and firearms. And when the shamans saw the child, they were in awe, for he glowed as if bathed in a light which was truly not of this world. Which has been helpfully transcribed on the not-at-all official website of the International Church of Alvis, which I found, and which of course is powered by Blogspot. It's out there, it's got four entries, all dated 2007. But the most recent entry, titled The Fall of Alvis, claims he died and returned on Alvis Sunday. How, you may ask? More to follow at a later date, and that was 12 years ago and we're still waiting, but... I feel like I have to reach out to the uh, to the owners of this particular uh, site and 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 like let them know that you know, there are people out here who still believe. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we, we wait patiently with a watchful eye. The joke here is the conceit that none of about five pioneer dudes of various age claim to be Alvis's father, despite smiling awkwardly at each other. That immediately reminded me of South Park and its arc of Cartman looking for his real father, and that's right down to the the setting, almost, with the drunken barn dance. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. I'll admit, I, I'm, I'm less knowledgeable on the, on the South Park lore. Okay. I, 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 this, this is almost my ceiling for goofy cartoons. Okay. <laughs> oh, what a ceiling it is. Right. <laughs> Well, and that was not too far removed from that. South Park was 1998. This was 2002. And South Park Mm -hmm. sort of helped Space Ghost open the door to Adult Swim. And here we are. So we find Captain Murphy trying to, nay, insisting on, putting together an Alvis-tied pageant in the Sea Lab. And basically every Christmas pageant comes with mild to medium chaos. Zach, have you ever been in the Christmas pageant? Uh... Not a, a pageant per se, but certainly my kids go to go, they go to public school, so there's not it's not a Christmas thing, but it's always a uh, but it's always like a, a like a musical thing that they do every year, mm-hmm. and that is uh, it's always a cluster of some kind, um, and you know either because it's good just because they're they're you know it's all kids under like fourth grade and under, and uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know it. Yep, I have kids around that age too, and even they go to a an art school, so they have performing arts classes. But it's still it has that very unique elementary school touch to everything. But I remember being in a Christmas pageant many, many years ago. I was a shepherd, and the most Charlie Brown, Shermy, B 
barely see him again, Shepard. But I think that was first grade, so my memory is mostly mm-hmm. foggy. My second daughter is in first grade now, so it was a bit ago. But I just remember the rehearsals leading up to it being mildly chaotic. They basically start practicing at the beginning of December, so really only mm-hmm. have three and a half weeks. That's not a lot of time. So this one looks like they have maybe a couple of hours to put on who knows what sort of pageant. Yeah, there's there's a lot of construction going around. Uh, Captain Murphy is insisting upon uh, having the a, a, a child, the you know, supposed to be the the the, the child uh, savior, uh, Alvis, uh, be lit up with some halogen bulbs, <laughs> and, and and then the, an electrician is insisting that there that there's not enough voltage and that that's going to start a fire. Um, yeah, well, and, they, and, they keep trip they keep tripping the breaker. They have all these halogen lamps hooked up to make the comet, and that keeps tripping the fuse. Mm-hmm. And I love the tale of this comet because it's clearly been very quickly beveled in 2002 era Photoshop. Look, them breakers ain't rated for we'll this. We'll cram a penny in there. Penny will start a fire. Look, shamans wouldn't ride buffaloes a jillion miles to see that little piece of crap comet. That's the real joy of looking back at some of these cartoons from the early aughts. It's being able to remember where technology was at the moment. Flash animation was just really starting to get its legs and boxing gloves. But that leads the captain to tell the electrician, just cram a penny in the breakers to keep Mm -hmm. them from tripping. And that's what uh, he keeps saying more than once. A penny will start a fire. Yeah. And then the the mother's very concerned about the about the baby being exposed to fire, and he says that the that's okay because the blanket's made of asbestos. Yes, and the pistol's just a little twenty two. Couldn't hurt a flea. <laughs> little baby Cody, who doesn't glow by himself, but <laughs> mom, and it's just some unnamed mother in jeans and what appears to be a studded hot topic belt. Hey, two thousand two. Good to see you again. But mom seems to take issue with exposing her baby to the floodlights and asbestos. Um, this is about the point where the where the rest of the Sea Lab crew uh, appears to uh, to take issue, uh, most notably Doctor Quinn and uh, and uh, White Debbie. White Debbie, yes, I forgot she was <laughs> called White Debbie because they don't really mention <laughs> names here. Well, I think she's just Debbie, but then there's right. also a black Debbie, and yeah. so I insist on calling her white Debbie. There you go. We never do a big Alvis time thing. Because it's offensive to non-Alvians. Voiced by Kate Miller, who's played a lot of one-off background characters, but notably several famous women on Celebrity Deathmatch, including Sarah Michelle mm-hmm. Gellar, Susan Lucci, and Heather Locklear. And currently, she's married to John DiMaggio, the voice of Bender. Let's... That's uh, basically uh, cartoon voice royalty then, you know. Pretty much. Yeah, she's got about uh, like 800 voice credits on uh, on IMDb uh, <laughs> for various TV shows and and, uh, and characters and such. So, yeah, she's obviously somebody who works a lot. And then Dr. Quentin Quinn is voiced by Brett Butler, who is neither the baseball player nor the woman from Grace Under Fire. This Brett Butler is mostly a sound editor and mixer, but he's also involved in sketch comedy, so he's got a few things Mm. on IMDb. But I was surprised. I opened it up and was like, oh, this is all sound editing. Yeah, it's 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 really speaks to the kind of slapdash nature of the of the the early Adult Swim shows, and that they 
frequently did not use professional voice actors, just merely somebody who could read lines reasonably well or do a silly voice. Right. And they have a few choice names here. They had a, we'll get to more as they come to them, but Mm. they got Harry Gauze to do Captain Mm -hmm. Murphy. And between that and another voice we'll get to later, that pretty much used up all the voice budget. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, Harry Goss is is really the kind of the glue that holds this show together, in my opinion. Oh, yes. uh, he passed in 2003, and it really it took the wind out of uh, the sails for this show um, because they, they still continue to make episodes, I think, for another year or two, uh, but just wasn't the same without Captain Murphy. Oh. They introduced like a like a like Captain Murphy's son or something like that, and they had a different actor, and. You know, I appreciate when shows try to do that because certainly he was not the only uh, laugh getter on the show. I mean, one of the best episodes uh, aside from this one is uh, is when uh, Quinn, Doctor Quinn, and Stormy are uh, hurtled back in time and create this kind of weird time feedback loop. And Captain Murphy's barely in that one, uh, but it, it just it just didn't seem to kind of keep up without him because his voice delivery i mean it's on the same level as as space ghost you can only have like one guy who does that and i appreciate that they didn't try to like pass off somebody else as like a as as like a replacement voice actor they just kind of retired the character but yeah it just wasn't wasn't the same after after harry gauze left but quinn and white debbie are two voices of reason informing us Mm -hmm. alvis tide celebrations are largely considered offensive and that only about a third of the crew is Alvian. Well, that's a lot, considering <laughs> the religious spectrum of the Sea Lab crew seems to be a lot closer to an even distribution than most countries today. Mm-hmm. And as Quinn points out, religious tolerance is a mainstay of the Sea Lab charter, which is the captain's argument for having an Alvis Tide feast. Uh, since the other religions already had theirs, we'll run by those in a minute, but I wanted to talk about a little more decoration and the other pomp going on with this Mm -hmm. pageant have you ever seen a live nativity where they bring in actual live animals never animals i mean i've I've seen like the live nativity where you have like the people set up and you know like out in front of a church it's just i live in milwaukee wisconsin where there's a where there's a lot of um there's a there's a church on uh, on every corner uh and there's a bar on every other corner (laughs) (laughs) Kind of weird dichotomy, but it's also quite cold during December. During December, so we don't see too much, too much uh, the live nativity. Uh, but certainly, people get way into into Christmas, and and I, you do see uh, nativity scenes uh, a lot there. But I've never seen with, with live animals. I have to say that that seems like a you have to be a several latitude lines uh, further south to to get that. <laughs> well, I grew. I mean, I haven't seen one in Florida, which would be a little too much with the heat. Yeah. But growing up in New Jersey, I saw one that they brought into the church and they brought in maybe one donkey, a calf, a sheep or two, I think. Smelled lovely. But if things aren't already surreal enough in C-Lab, they have somehow procured live buffalo for the pageant in the science community thousands of feet below the surface of the ocean. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, including one that gets stuck in an elevator with a drunken, aggravated crew member, Stormy Waters, who we mentioned earlier very quickly, voiced by political analyst Ellis Hennigan. Shut up! (laughs) Get in there! Shut up! Who, to 
get as minimally political as possible. I've seen him described as Fox News liberal pundit Ellis Hennigan. So he's one of those guys they bring in so they can say, you've heard from both sides. I did not realize that that's who voiced Stormy. I had no idea either until I'm going through this IMDb list. I'm like, wait a minute. He's another thing. Yeah. It's like lots of like, you know, himself on Huckabee, himself on Judge Napoliano, himself on the O'Reilly Factor. Wow. That's that's really interesting. Um, Okay. Well, Stormy's pretty minimal in this episode, so we don't have to really dig into what he's about anyway. He basically just... He's, he keeps hitting his head on the on the on the doorway because he's riding this buffalo and screaming "Shut up!" because he's <laughs> right. already fighting drunk for Alva's time. Oh yeah, and every once in a while we cut back to Stormy stuck in the elevator and the buffalo <laughs> shouting nonsense. But yeah, but let's go through this quick list of mm-hmm. made up religions that they created for this one episode. Only about a third of the crew is Alvian, sir. Come on, now that's just crap, right? About 20% are Shikra, 15% are Mandu. 6% Hempus, 2% Krebish, and... Um... Bleah, 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 the Krebs already had their Alvis time. The Nine Knights of Krebula? Yeah, nobody busted their chops. Because religious tolerance is a mainstay of the C-Lab charter. They're rattled off pretty quickly, but luckily we have TV tropes to make the connections as to which is an allegory of what. We have Shikra, which includes a month-long observance of Shikradan, so that's the Islam equivalent. <laughs> we have Mandu, which is Hinduism. There's Hempism, which isn't explained further, but you can figure that out. And then there's Krebism, and it's Nine Nights of Krebula, which are supposed to stand in for Hanukkah. In fact, we learn at the very end of the episode that Alvis was Krebish, naturally. <laughs> And then there's Malka, which TV Tropes informs me is the Wiccan equivalent. Well, oh, and that's right, because Captain Murphy, we find out that C-Lab's radio operator Sparks is Malkin. Malkins don't believe in hell. You're a witch? Malka's not about witchcraft. No, no, no. He's voiced by Bill Lobley, the current voice of Officer Dibble from Top Cat, apparently. (laughs) <laughs> brought Top Cat back and made him CGI and put him in a movie that I've never heard of until now. Yeah, uh, as Sparks is is uh, the least tolerant of this entire thing and is happy to. It's he's, he's while he's the Malkin, he kind of uh, he kind of fills the uh, the role of the average uh, Reddit browsing atheist, happy to point out all the inconsistencies or bad things about the uh, the Alvian religion. Right. And Captain Murphy actually tries to fire him for calling out Alvis. Mm-hmm. Saying, how can you worship that guy? He killed a man. Hey, only for revenge. <laughs> Alvis killed for your sins. Yes. <laughs> but Quinn tells him he can't fire someone based on religious beliefs. Mm-hmm. Sparks gets hit with my favorite insult of this whole thing. It's a baby with a freaking gun cooking over a floodlight. Hey, why are you still here, Harry Potter? I want to start fake mockingly calling people Harry Potter with no basis. Yeah, it's not like he had like glasses on or anything like that. It was just <laughs> I get somebody. it that Malka's supposed to be the the Wiccan equivalent, so he's calling him a witch, but it was just that I forgot that that was the joke and I was like, "Wait, oh. It's a real reach." Yeah. 
I'm going to try and steal it. But. And lastly, there's apparently a religion called Thonic, which TV Trope says is the Catholic stand-in, mm-hmm. based on the captain's wrong assumption that it's the religion of Engineer Marco. And it's Eric Estrada. Who told you I was Thonic? Danny, you're a Spaniard, so a I... A Spaniard? Oh, hell. Now you did it. A Spaniard? Hey, ho, whoa. I'm not from Spain. In fact... 85% of Spanish-speaking people in the world are not from Spain. Hey, look, look, I don't want to get into a big thing. And all Latinos here. aren't funny. Eric Estrada was a real VIP of this of this show. He was, he always, um, it, it feels like you, like he wouldn't be the, like the, the funniest one, but he always comes in with like really great line reads. His characters always says like, like really wild stuff. Um, it, it's just, it's just great to know that, 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 Estrada, despite being like kind of like, you know, a 70s heartthrob because of chips and stuff, mm-hmm. was more than willing to like to like the to just kind of jump into it and accept that this is this is a really silly show and he needs to be as into it as as Harry Goss is, you know, than or or any of the other uh actors. Um I I really appreciate his his performance as, as Marco. Um it's 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 him it kind of holds this whole thing together. Uh, you know, when you, when you have like a more established actor, um, you know, ver- versus some of like, you know, say the audio engineers just reading lines. <laughs> right. No, it was great to see that he's not just here getting paid and phoning it mm-hmm. in. He really brought, and this was right around that first wave of nostalgia from the eighties and with mm-hmm. reaching its peak. In fact, VH1's first run of, I love the eighties premiered the same week in December, 2002, we're really good at these dates, I have to say. I mean, I know you do your research, but it—it you'd swear that you just remembered this. It's all just <laughs> Googling, and I have notes. There's <laughs> nothing remembering about anything. It's just I looked it up and remembered. But no, Captain Murphy thought Marco was phonic because he also thought he was a Spaniard. <laughs> He's not from Spain, and he gets so upset that he goes to beat up Stormy and exit Stormy. <sighs> Uh, and yeah, again, this is like, it's like, this is where I go like, yeah, wow, this is like, I know they're calling it out as being racist, but isn't it just like actually just racist? I can't, Pretty I can't much. tell. <laughs> I, I would not say that this holds up to, to the standards we expect of things today, but. Right. It's, it's like, it, it, it goes, I mean, and to, to use the South Park, uh, uh, thing again, it's like, it, it, it tries to go so offensive that this would be as to be beyond offensive and therefore beyond uh, anyone actually being offended by it or, uh, or trying to, you know, ob- object like uh, it, it feels like the view, the viewers just expect to go like, well, yeah, that's uh, of course. Yeah. They're taking the piss out of everybody and that's it. Yeah. I think, and again, it's 2002, nine 11 mm-hmm. happened a year ago. So we're all, trying to find what is and is not funny again i feel mm-hmm. like still at this point a year later yeah it's not quite it's more gen x humor than millennial humor uh because it still finds yeah. groups to 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 make fun of um certainly i think uh adult swim has more morphed into that more millennial humor where everything is just really really bizarre and there's and, oh, and yeah. more and, and there's not that there's not any one person you can pin anything on nor, or, or any group really. No, not anymore. But so no, it doesn't hold up, but I've said more than once, nothing should hold up because we should be growing anyway. 
Mm-hmm. Nostalgia is a is a crutch, and I and I say that with uh, all due reverence to a oh, nostalgia yeah. podcast. <laughs> Uh, and that's all of them. So Quinn and Dupree try fruitlessly to explain to Captain Murphy the Feast of Alvis is only for a minority of people. The largest minority, but a minority just the same. And that's when the lights go out again, and the electrician finally concedes into keeping it on with a penny, and now we have a crying baby whose mom is about to leave with little Cody. Mm. And when a now outraged captain tries to mock the baby's sissy name, we find out Cody's a girl. And also, Mom's called social services about the whole asbestos and gun thing. And it's right around this time that the health inspector shows up in the underwater sea lab out of nowhere uh, to find the captain because his Alvis-tide buffet has tested positive for fecal matter. Uh, hey, um, which one of you is Captain Murphy? That's Murphy right there. Happy holidays, sir. Totally. All right, what do you want? County Health Inspector, your buffet tested positive for fecal matter. We're going to have to give you a little fine there, but, uh, have a happy Alvis time. A fine? It's, at this point, it's kind of remarkable that it's taken, uh, what, like seven, eight minutes to actually get to a poop joke? <laughs> yeah, good point. We're about eight <laughs> minutes into this 11-minute show. I forgot how short these were. Yeah, no commercial break. You just like they they would have like a show and then a commercial and then another show and then a commercial and that's how they that's how they did the the typical twenty two minute or whatever uh, Adult Swim bits. They'd have just two eleven minute cartoons. I feel like it was kind of I don't want to say revolutionary at the time, but it was very different even mm-hmm. for that late in the game. But it, it made hell programming the DVR, but uh, yeah, well. I didn't have a DVR back then. It was just all, you were either putting this on VHS or you were never seeing it again. Yeah, it's true that this this this, this did kind of predate the DVR. I'm I'm now mixing up the mix up the time because yeah, 2001. I was I was taping stuff. Yeah, I would tape Cowboy Bebop because uh, that came on at midnight after after C Lab. That was the one <laughs> they would interrupt with commercials. Yeah, well, because it was a it was a imported anime that was a you know, full half hour or whatever you'd have to wait for the dvd season to come out and that would be mm-hmm. like 40 dollars for a half hour's worth of episodes yeah, but with a lot of rewatchability i mean oh, as I, I said I, I i keep coming back to this one and i i, I don't know why it is it's <laughs> it's really i think it's because it's like it's just the weirdest amongst the weird C Lab episodes, and of course, a, a great performance from from um, from Harry Goss as, as, as Captain Murphy, and and just like like everything. There's no C Lab lore, and yet this one did a lot of world building very quickly it with like did. with like with like the 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 various religions, and like this is where Captain Murphy's belief system comes from, and. And so it just as a result, it just gives you a lot more insight into why Captain Murphy is the way he is. It's because, oh, he is, he was raised an Alvian. So yeah. of course he has these strong beliefs about how everyone else should act and, <laughs> and, 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 and how they should behave. So he believes in revenge and, and drinking. <laughs> it does explain a lot. And it's, it was very strange and wonderful to go back like just Googling for Feast of Alvis references and finding these old blogs dedicated mm-hmm. to this one joke of an episode. Mm-hmm. I found a live journal page that had a whole bunch of those animated icons with just Feast of Alvis quotes on them. There were about 20 of them on there. That's now in the show notes because it still exists. 
<laughs> one of the last live journal pages that still remains. I was actually cleaning up book bookmarks uh, on my uh, on my uh, Chrome browser the other day and found like my live journal page and and uh, I, that, that is not going to show notes. It's, it's a little too a little too old, a little too uh, embarrassing for me personally. Yeah, I deleted mine a very long time ago, but then I went back and was just like, man, I regretted that because there was some okay stuff in there, and I could have just mm-hmm. deleted what I wanted to delete, but. There was a time when I was really bad at archiving stuff, and now I'm kicking myself for it. So, save your work, kids. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm on the verge of like deleting all my tweets and then like just saving the the good ones. That's uh, a project. Yeah. Well, yeah, I I backed it up. I, oh, I, good. I downloaded the the whole archive, and yeah. Um, there you go. I thought to myself, if I take every single good tweet I wrote over the last like 12 years, I'd probably have a, a solid half hour stand up. <laughs> there you go. That's pretty good. <laughs> Only took me 12 years to write it. <laughs> all right. All down. 12 years <laughs> of nonstop takes time to grow failed one liners. <laughs> there you go. Well, it's around this time that the fire starts because of that penny and everything just goes to pieces. Mm-hmm. And finally, Captain Murphy is thrown to the floor by a buffalo, resulting in a large lump on his head. Maybe it's the lump. or do- It's a comically large lump that they had to kind of Photoshop on this existing mm-hmm. character model's head. And then they yeah. put a patch of hair just on top of the lump. It was a, it was a, a real stretch to do that. It, 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 looks, it looks like a mountain with a snow cap. It's, it does. It's so, it's so weird. It's so ridiculous and it's just like this is a great cap on this whole thing mm-hmm. and then alvis appears yes maybe it's the his... lump or perhaps a miracle that takes form of the angelic alvis himself who informs the captain he has forgotten the true meaning of alvis time neither is it ham nor pomp nay the true meaning of alvis time is drinking drinking in revenge well, I got eggnog, but I don't think it's enough to get really loaded. Crap, screamer! More of a liqueur. Behold! And then with a poof, the table of eggnog is transformed into a table of whiskey bottles. <laughs> and and it, in the background, like, the cow is, like, on fire. That's my favorite part. <laughs> it's like, it's I made that upon. my little Skype avatar for this one episode, people. <laughs> Oh yeah, I just didn't, didn't even notice that. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's going on. Alvis invites the captain to drink with him until such time as we are fighting drunk. Then we shall find and beat the asses of the non-believers who ruined my feast. Especially whoever crapped the buffet. No, no, so that was me. Alvis, bless us, everyone. So it's, it's treated as a, as a blessing. From yes. Alvis, that, that there's fecal matter in the buffet. Alvis, bless us, everyone. Mm-hmm. See, and that's it, except for a, during the credits scene where medic Dr. Verge is the one who informs the captain he's got a concussion and probably saw none of that. But then who crapped the buffet? Yeah, I guess it's it's a it's an unanswered question uh, here. It's an Alvis time miracle. Unless you consider maybe there's the the low rent uh, uh, caterers that that uh, Captain Murphy no doubt hired to to put together the this whole thing because it was, it was a ver- himself or the buffalo. Who knows? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, the Buffalo is actually probably it could have been Stormy. I mean, he was already drunk. He probably doesn't remember. Yeah. Dr. Vergey is voiced by Adam Reed, creator of the C-Lab 2021 concept, and also later Archer, doing a terrible Indian accent. Yes, the concussion could cause you to hallucinate and see all kinds. He was real, I'm telling you. We got drunk together. Also a good call for, for problematic uh, early 2000s shows. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's not quite uh, Apu, but it's... On the same level, it's it's pretty much there. It's yeah, actually, actually, it's 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 exactly Apu. Now yeah. that I think about it, right down to the captain just dismissing what he has to say about Alvis was actually Krebish to him just mm-hmm. being a Mandu, and we're done. <laughs> Short but to the point. Some point. And so I, I'm I'm fond of referring to uh, to any. Uh, holiday dinner as being a feast of Alvis personally. Extravaganza. Uh, it's, yeah. It's just so, it, it's so bizarre to me. And, uh, and my, my family's rather young and we don't, uh, we're, we're not at a point where we're hosting any holiday dinner. Oh, so, no. so, yeah. so to have anybody over, it's like, it's always like, this is the feast of Alvis or, or <laughs> whatever it's, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not inflicting this upon like grandparents or anything. Like no. that. It's just, it's just something silly I say. And, and it just flies over my kid's head. Cause it's probably another 10 years before they watch it. By the time they watch it, they're going to, Oh my gosh, there's just oh, no way they're going to be entertained like, by this. This is the worst. Yeah. <laughs> Any final thoughts about the Feast of Alvis? Uh, just, you know, that it's, uh, that it's funny. It's, it, it's just really the entire story at the beginning. And I know that that's, that's, that's been included is like, is one of the funniest things I can think of from, from the early adult swim days. Um, you know, the, the shamans, <laughs> bringing whiskeys and firearms it's it's the book of mormon through an even like more bizarre hey, lens yeah. <laughs> there's well yeah there's the alvian equivalent oh, that yeah. makes perfect sense now that mm-hmm. wow now i'm seeing everything in a whole new light well thank you for suggesting this one it was fun talking to you about it yeah there's layers here. I guess that's what I'm saying. This is, yes. this is not this is not Snoopy. This is this is deep. <laughs> very very deep under the water. Well, Zach, <laughs> if people want to crap on your buffet, where can they find you on the internet? Uh, they can uh, find me at Zach Shipley on Twitter. Uh, I'm also Zach Shipley. Z a c s h i p l e y. Uh, dot com. Uh, they can hire me in order to sell their house in the Milwaukee area. Oh. I also uh, uh, provide uh, entertainment services as a uh, as a as a wedding or party DJ. Uh, so if you need some an open format DJ, be sure to give me a call. <laughs> all right. Well, show notes for this episode and all the rest are at adventcalendar.house. You can say hi on Twitter at adventcalhouse. So till tomorrow, for Zach Shipley from beneath the glow of a halogen lamp comet wrapped in swaddling asbestos, be careful of that icy patch. The Advent Calendar House is part of the Christmas Podcast Network, located conveniently at christmaspodcastnetwork.com. Ho, 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 ho. Merry Christmas. 
Greetings, holiday shoppers. I'm Joseph Wade, and I host a podcast called Christmas Creeps. My band of merry mischief makers and I dissect holiday movies and specials all year round in search of the true meaning of Christmas. So whether you can't resist the urge to watch Home Alone in June, or you worship at the altar of mutant killer snowmen, Christmas Creeps is the podcast for the Grinch in all of us. Check us out at christmascreeps.com or wherever you download podcasts. Next time on the Advent Calendar House... Ringle, ringle, coins when they mingle Make such a lovely sound Two guineas and tuppence and thruppence and bob Make my ears tingle and keep my heart throbbing